This week on Off The Bit, we've got a interview with Ron Duffercy, an all-round legend, uh, tab, tab analyst, great guy, all-round great guy. We've got all your racing news and a few more segments. Let's go. The views and opinions put forth in this podcast by Yellow Man and Roy's Reese are our views and our views alone. There's no room here for scathing attacks on the information we provide or the bullshit that manifests. We take a lot harder walk through the vast yawning chasm that is racing and sport and life. And if you don't like it, well, feel free to jog on. That's your man, Yellow Man. I'm your boy, Charles Reese. This is the Off The Bit Podcast, and we prefer our listeners. Shaken, not stirred. Not stirred. My check, my check, one, two, one, two. What the hell happened at the top of this show? Mate, God damn it. Shouldn't run to the car park. Yeah. I'll jump uh, Thank you, Rolls Reese, for your uh, little bit of a stymie there. That we do have a great show. Ron, Ron Duffercy joined us. You threw me through a loop there. So, what we just had an interview with Ron Duffercy. We talked about um, our segment coming up, which is horses that have been taken off trainers uh, throughout the history. Um, and uh, I, after that phone call, I just quickly ducked out of the car and come back, and I said, "Let's do the first intro." and Apparently, it's already been done. So, well done, mate. I, I hope you uh, really you're cut your teeth there. You're welcome, mate. Uh, hurt a little bit, but it's all good. Yeah. Um, uh, other than that, we've got a lot of racing and sport news. Uh, man, a lot of stuff's happened. Well, a lot uh, of racing th- news, isn't there? Yeah, just in the last couple of days. Blake Shin, first of all, uh, very unfortunate on Monday that he uh, had a fall from a trial, uh, gall- uh, tri- uh, trial ride. Uh, looked like the saddle shifted, but... Uh, fractured his uh, vertebrae in his neck, which yeah, was... C- C1, he's fractured too. So sac- fractured his C1 and C3, which is quite high up in yeah, the neck. So. Yeah, uh, just landed awkward. It's it's never easy when a saddle slips and you're sort of... Yeah, there's ways to fall off horses, but uh, for that to happen like that, you, you, it's a damn, you're... damn shame so close to the spring carnival. Absolutely. Too, he misses the spring. He's out for six months, so... Yeah. Uh, absolute shame. Uh, on a lighter note, though, racing news, Canberra trainers, uh, the Racing New South Wales have uh, bent their backs a little bit and allowed the Canberra trainers to participate in the highways again, which is great for them because the way that they they meticulously uh, really went about that, that case very, very professionally saying that if you don't do something about this, then uh, Canberra trainers and Ca- Canberra trainers and Canberra racing as a whole could fold. And um, very, very tough to get a good line. I- I'd love to get hold of uh, Nick Olive, uh, friend of the show. And so does, dis- does this mean they can go in the Kosciuszko as well? Uh, look, or is that that is separate? I'm still not sure. So I think I think they're they're basically they're from what I read that they've given them the highways back, which is. They needed something because uh, it's a very strange little uh, setup there with racing New South Wales, the whole of New South Wales, in, with you know the ACT being it's included just a in it. Camera factor, isn't it? Uh, and then they, just yeah, they just well, they're their own governing body, and um, there's I don't know whether there's a bit of spite going on there or competition or what what have you. But uh, great news for all of our friends in the racing industry at Canberra that they get to stay afloat and and not look at their business like it's absolutely absolutely failing. So yeah. great news there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elise, oh Elise, yeah. Carnival. Uh, yeah. I think she had a a, a bleed. Mm. Must have been after the trial we spoke about last week. Uh, both nostrils as well, not good. So they're just gonna put her in the paddock out of the spring carnival. So yeah. my well, it wasn't a Back to the Future, but my little prediction is she ready for the the Everest or something like that. Yeah, that's, a, just, that's a big no. I thought that she uh, won that trial quite well. 
in, in a she, star-studded she nailed, field. She nailed that trial, mm. man. I, yep. I really, really liked it. But it's a, it's a damn shame it's part of racing, though, you know? Yeah, she's a big beast. And, um, yeah, you've uh, seen that before. Uh, once, you, once you say uh, these bleeding attacks, you've only got two chances. The, the first yeah. one, you're a three-month embargo, and the next one's life. So let's hope. Fingers crossed that once she comes back from this time off that she'll be the uh, absolute beast on the track that she always is and definitely one I'll follow. Another one, Esther mm. Jab out for the spring as well. Oh, okay. um, training complications, whatever that means. Mm. Well, hopefully it's Don't not know. the list yeah. we're talking about with Rohan. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully. Training hope, complications hope, usually mean... Hopefully that's not... Uh, well, the funny thing about that is I'm pretty sure I heard along the grapevine that the horse was actually picked out by... Gay Waterhouse, and then um, when it come down to purchasing, it was then given to a different trainer. Okay. Yeah. Well, that well that that owner has has already won a slipper with Mossman with the Hawks, so yeah. uh, it wouldn't surprise me if um, he was. You know, I, I, you keep going back to that. Well, this the other thing with Esther Jab as well is that the age old saying of like when you bust a filly up so young and and you end up getting like a golden slipper, or you end up getting close with a golden slipper. Is this like a, a an overhead haunting thing that like you always sort of end up pretty busted up? Like Shira Rain is cactus, mate. Yeah, oh, sh- look to be too much. Shira Rain name, just needs name, a bit more name, ground. Yeah, but name name a, name a filly that sort of come out the back of, um, like being really really pumped as a two year old. That's a good question. Come out and rolled on and actually come out to to be quite successful. Phillies wise, it's there's not many like uh, forensics won it. Uh, Belle du Jour won it, and then she come out and was a pretty good three and four year old. Yeah, no, no, we still got like Shoals and um and that floating around as well. Yeah, but like won it. Yeah, they mm. yeah, they they weren't like massive standouts. Oh, might, we might we might uh, we That's might another we, one we, for the parking. We, we embrace debate. We'll just deep dive into that one in the next coming weeks. Um, you're you're the racing sport. Uh, you're the racing news guy. You got anything more? I, I got I got a few more. I've got uh, Invincible Star coming out and absolutely putting links on. Um, Everything in everything yeah, in the trial, yeah. yeah. yeah what yeah. time did they run? Uh, run a forty-eight ninety-nine, so mm. pretty pretty dash red hot there. But yeah, at the Kenzo, um, mm. now now they're talking about going to Everest. I don't think mm. it's Everest worthy. It was a pretty pretty white hot trial in terms for of Everest um, for Ever- Everest. No, but but for like Everest, for Everest. <laughs> but for like in terms of. Um, being consistent and be able to take yeah. that form oh, that's, in, that's, that's in, a, into an Everest, I don't, yeah. I don't see it. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, but not least, we touch a bit on this with um, with Ronnie later on. But Kementari mm. taking on Winks, you know, yeah. uh, he's stepping up to his uh, his pay grade there, his his, his mile. But yep. um, there's still question marks about him going in an Everest, and he's just he's, he's a really confused horse at the moment. If, he, if there was a horse that sort of had like a, a gender crisis, this is him. You mm. know, uh, like, gr- uh, great segue. Actually, we can probably go straight into the interview with Ronnie now, and we'll talk about that more. Yep. Let's go. And here we go. Okay, joining us on off the bit for this episode is. Uh, T-A-B, uh, how, how do we describe you exactly, Ronnie, uh, as a tab analyst? Is that the best way to describe uh, Well, maybe a form analyst. Form analyst? Just a form yeah, analyst in I'm general? Only, I'm sort of not in, I'm sort of the contractor of the tab. I'm not, I don't actually work for them full time. Oh, okay. So, yep. Yeah. Oh, so, well, yeah they, pay, they pay me a wage, but yeah, uh, yep. it's, it's more or less, uh, not a, I'm not a full time um Worker, so I'm sort of on my own freelancing. Really. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, well, it's a it's a good earn, I'd imagine. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do is we'll start. Uh, we, we've got uh, we, we brought you on this episode for a think piece that uh, we'd had uh, milling around since the uh, well, I, I guess at the start of the year with uh, maybe single gaze uh, being moved on from the Nick Olive stables, where it was uh, brought to our attention. Uh, just. Uh, how fickle it can be for a trainer to have a horse removed from their stable and moved on to another one. There's a, lit- a lot of reasons. There's a litany of them, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, breeding rights and uh, discrepancies. So uh, we brought you on to uh, pick your brain, and we'll get into that a little bit later of uh, your top five horses and myself and Rolls-Royce. But before we get into that, let's uh, give our listeners a little bit of a brief overview of yourself now. Uh, you're an apprentice jockey and a jockey very successful in your own right. Um, exactly how long did your career span in that regard? Yeah, look, I started, I think I started, I had my first ride when I was 17. And I reckon I, I didn't really ride for a long time. I reckon I had my last ride when I was about in my late 20s. Yeah. Uh, so, look, I, I wasn't a great jockey. I was just a toiler. I learned a living through it for a while. The modesty, <laughs> and, yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, after I sort of come out of my apprenticeship to, with uh, Mal Barnes, I sort of uh, sort of rode work for mainly all the top trainers at Ramwick there. Um, they respected my opinion. I was sort of a, a good judge of speed and whatever and, and yep. judge of a horse. So, yeah, look, it was mainly um, my my career as a jockey was, you know, it was fulfilling, but, but I didn't have a, a big career. I didn't ride ride any big Group One winners or anything yeah. like that. A couple of Group races and and had a little bit of success here and there. You're in good company here, Ronnie. We're in the same boat, mate. So I feel you. Yep, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm very well utilised as a track work rider. In fact, I, I ride work for Joe Pride and ride a really nice horse called Fifteen Rounds. You might know of it. Yes, I certainly do. Yeah, yeah so. he's a nice horse. Yeah, bred him and kept the share in him when Jay Bordy put him at the sale, so it was great. He's measured up nice, mate. Uh, that first win there, uh, first up, he didn't really know what he was doing last prep, did he? he? He had no right to win it. He was so green, but he's bodied up nice. He's a he's a really nice proposition, I think. Yeah, let's hope so. You know, it's it's, it's a tough time of year to be in work, and yeah. there's a lot of really nice horses around. But uh, look, one for one, you can't ask for much more than that. Absolutely. Is this a back to the future, mate? Uh, yeah, I like this horse 15 rounds, yeah. So yeah. so we do this thing, Ronnie, called Back to the Future where we'll, we'll chuck a tip out and wait for it to uh, come come in down the, down the line. Yeah, the, the pleasure oh. of having the podcast is that uh, we can put our tips out. Uh, we do a future, like a future bet. Um, and yep. for all the people that are still uh, scrolling through uh, on our feed, if you haven't uh, got onto it, everyone, it's uh, the iTunes feed of Off, Off The Bit podcast. Uh, search that up and scroll through all our episodes or great interviews and um, a lot of tips out there that uh, people will find out. We had Dark Dream there. I, I, I spruced him um, maybe two months before he won the derby and I, I, I was bullish about him. So uh, it's one of those ones where it doesn't get lost in the airways with podcasts. You can actually go back and listen to it. And if you're astute enough, you can find the tip. But uh, yeah, 15 rounds is a nice horse, nice upcoming horse. Okay, let's move on. So you go from there. Now, I have reason to believe, did you try being a jockey manager as well? I was the first jockey manager in Australia, to tell you the truth. Oh, what? Oh. Serious? Yeah, so I I started with, uh, when I first gave up riding, I was riding with um, Jim Cassidy, who was uh, riding work around me, just sort of settled in. And I took on Jimmy and he won a premiership. Yep. And then I took on Larry Cassie after that. He won premierships. Yep. And, yeah, the other other jockeys I had was Lenny Beasley, who was a leading apprentice. So had a lot of success at uh, at jockey management. And 
it come a time where the stewards stepped in and said you can't be in the media and in being the jockey's manager, yep. which is coming back coming back in at the moment. It is, yeah. And yeah, so that that's why I give up jockey management. Did you enjoy it? Oh look, it's 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 a tough. It's tough. It's you know, it's not just sitting there answering the phone. You're sort of on call from <laughs> five in the morning when trainers are getting up. You know, they've yeah. really got no respect for for a yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, it's because they're up. Everyone else is going to be up. So you're on call from five in the morning to more or less ten o'clock at night. So yeah. it's not easy. And um, you know, and there's highs and lows when you pick the wrong ride. Yeah. I was about to say you've got to take on a lot of responsibility finding those right rides for the the right jockey as well. Hey. Yeah, for sure. No, no, for sure. We had uh, uh, John Walter on a couple of episodes ago. Of course, he's got Tim Clark and Josh Parr, and uh, we sort of put that to him, uh, the, what's your life like? And I think he's a little bit blessed there that the two boys are so consistent and have a good following. He said, oh, the the phone does ring at 4 o'clock, he said, but, you know, I, I'm not obliged to ring answer it for anymore. He said uh, they're, they're quite happy to wait until I get up, so he's a bit blessed. I think the times have changed. I reckon back in your day it would have been you had to sit by the fax machine and – there's no um, yeah. no noms coming to your phone. It's a lot easier to be a jockey manager now. Oh no, exactly right. It's the same with form, you know. In the in the old days, you know, you, you couldn't press a button and watch a replay. You had to subscribe and get replays. Yeah, there was yeah. no such thing a vision of barrier trials and things yep. like that. The punters, the punters these days, it's a press of the button and the. And you young blokes are, uh, have the reaping the awards, mate. That's what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the jock- jockeys is the same too. Like, uh, I remember uh, it was impossible. You used to remember you used to have to get the the Telegraph with the uh, the photos of it uh, of each race there and the sectionals. That was all there. That was pretty much what you got on a Sunday as to how uh, horses were running sectionals. There was no sort of internet or anything. You had to just buy the paper. Exactly. Exactly right, exactly right. And jockeys these days are a lot tougher. When I was riding, you know, you'd be flat having three meetings a week. There was a the yeah. Wednesday meeting, there was a provincial Thursday meeting and some Saturday meetings. So yeah. three days a week was the only time you could ride. Yeah, jockeys also uh, now have their own personal trainers. How do you reckon you would have gone with that? <laughs> <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> Maybe lasted one session? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Watching those ones a few Bowman and, uh, and Macker when they're on the uh, – on the balance boards and and catching medicine balls as well, leave me out of that. And that's that's I'm I'm quite happy. I'm not a top fledging jockey just for that. No, it's a whole new game. Let's let's move on now. We'll get some uh, a little bit of racing insight for you uh, as from well uh, from you as well. We're going to talk the Everest. Uh, basically, it's it's kind of that melting pot that's getting slowly towards the end of it. Uh, can you give us what your uh, form analyst uh, brain says as far as horses on the up and and uh, Red Zell being a uh, an easy mark target. Yeah, look, it's um, it's a it's a tricky one so far this year. You know, I think there's three slots left, which could all go this week. As well, if, a- if ATC still yet to pick a. Pick well, a I would have thought the ATC. Well. The, yeah, the AT. The, the rumor is the ATC were were sitting, waiting, waiting, waiting for Kemantari. But whether the Kemantari wants to go that path or or step up to the mile after. After this week, well, that's yet to be proven. Well, but uh, yeah, it looks like he's going to the mile in the the wing stakes this week. So yeah, exactly. So yeah. I um, yeah, look, I, I don't know what the ATC up to there, but oh, obviously there's talk of Nature Strip getting a slot this week and Parata, and you know, and and the field will start to you know more or less take shape. Yeah, he um, Kementari screams a mile to me. Is that what you're you're thinking? Well, I'd say so. Yeah, look, he, he he promises to be a good miler. Look, he look, he's a good horse. We we all know how promising he is. Whether 
they want to train him up for a mile or keep him mad fresh for a $13 million race, that's for them to sort out. But <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, yeah. certainly, he's certainly a very, very good horse. Where well, do you reckon Godolphin are in, in that aspect? Like, do you think that they're still worried about rev- revenue as far as money goes or are they looking for the classic group ones? Like, it's, a, it, it's an interesting little titbit in itself as to the mindset of the Godolphin hierarchy. Yeah, well, Godolphin's really, they their main job is to produce stallions. So yeah. To produce stallions, I think, you know, the $13 million is not going to change Sheikh Muhammad's life. So <laughs> I would have thought, <laughs> I would have thought uh, uh, maybe, you know, look, he, he, if he wins a couple of big group ones, he's worth, you know, a couple hundred million as a stallion. So that, that's what they'd be thinking. I, yeah. I thought it was more for pride for him as well because I think he's got the most nominated slipper prospects for next year as well. And... He yeah, always does. He, 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 fl- he, he flooded that. You love that stat, oh, hey? That's his favourite stat, Ronnie. He stat. says it every week. He just he, keeps coming up <laughs> like, you know the Godolphin have got 100 en- en- entries in the slip. Yes, they uh, just do this year round, mate. Up like 180-something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, uh, d- just a little uh, insight. That, like, Nick Williams uh, tweeted that he said that uh, uh, he doesn't really respect the Everest because it's not a true classic. Um, whereabouts do you stand on that? Um, well, look, it's early days. You know, we've only had one, and, it's, and all we've done is everyone is talking about the Everest. So, yeah. And uh, this year we're going to have a great race. I think it's it's a new race. It's got people talking. In Australia, we breed, you know, we we breed sprinters. And we're, we're, we're renowned for that. Where, you know, the classic races like a, uh, even the Melbourne Cup now, that's for internationals. You know, there's a chance we could have 14 or 15 internationals in the Melbourne Cup this year. Look, yep. it's a great event. It's a great event. Don't get me wrong. The Melbourne Cup's the best race of the year yep. because it captures everyone's attention, not um, more so the people that don't follow racing. And they're the people we've got to urge to follow. Otherwise, we yep. won't have a business in 20 years' time. That's right. But, uh, each to their own. Each to their own. Nick's a, Nick's a bit of a stirrer as well. I, you know, I think <laughs> a lot of stuff. He's a bit tongue in cheek. I think people take him too serious sometimes. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. do you What do you think? That's about, like us as a podcast. Yeah, it's very much like us. <laughs> what do you think about the the thirty million dollar price tag for it though? For for such a short race, do you think it's it's justified putting that much money into a sprint, or do you think they should have dragged it out a little bit more? And I know uh, you were saying before how we've got so many sprinters in Australia, and that's what we do, but yeah. Yeah, look, I think the the key to it is that if you don't have the thirteen million per uh, uh, prize pool, you're not going to talk about the race as much. Yeah, and, true. And in its first year, it's the second highest holding race uh, turnover wise, next to the Melbourne Cup. So yeah. all that money, it's not coming out of uh, sort of industry money. It's paying for itself. This race, it was a ten million dollar race, and they made so much money out of it, and yeah. that was that was the plan when they put the race on is whatever money we make out of this race we're going to put back into the race so yeah, uh, yeah uh, a lot of a lot of knockers around but i'm i'm, I'm not so, i don't think so i think it's a i think it's a, a great initiative yeah not, so let's not I. forget that they had uh you know, uh, I think it was was that Jason Derulo. He played um, in the in the birdcage there after at the Theatre of the Horse and had the the whole crowd rocking after the after the last as well. It wasn't just the race itself; it was uh, the whole entire atmosphere. It was a party. Yeah, exactly. So good. Yeah, so exactly. Good. Yeah, the, the the confetti come down uh, when uh, Karen McAvoy was accepting the trophy and everything. Like that's that's stuff that you don't usually see, and uh, that's what this uh, whole entire generation's about now—the flashy bling bling stuff and. That's, uh, I guess, what we're looking say, forward to. Do you think it's a race for the youth now, Duff? 
I'm sorry. Do you think it's a race for the youth, like the, it's more for well, the younger punters like us? Yeah. Oh no doubt, no doubt. Yep. That's that's what it was put on for. You know, we're gonna. That's that's Peter Valenti said one thing. He said, you know, we're going to put a young a race on for the new generation or the next yep. generation, and and this is something we're we're giving to them to to embrace to say, well, this is our race. We're going to get out there and have a party, and it's not all about the punt, you know. But uh, we're educating people to go to the races. Yeah, well, that's what we're doing is this podcast too. We are we're on the front foot and. Uh we're the next generation coming through, uh, we, we're pandering to that audience and, and making it uh, an easy, effortless way for people to s- seamlessly blend in with racing when they don't usually know it. And uh, that's what we got you on here for. So we can have a lot of fun as well. But um, let's let's go into one more thing. What horse do you see emerging from the current crop we have in Australia as one that stands out to you? Well, that's or a, a, or a it's 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 a broad spectrum. Yeah, look, we, we, the go-to horse is obviously Kemantari, who's who's obviously a, a late nomination for this Wink Stakes on Saturday. So that's going to be a a huge test for him taking on Wink second up there. But yep. uh, I think there's expectation that he might he might shape up and do something in a race like that. But obviously, Wink's is the uh, has been an impossible target for for most <laughs> horses over the last <laughs> couple of years. Yeah. But uh, so I said, he's the next next brigade, and she's not getting any younger, and and he's he's at the, at the top of his powers now. So as an early four year old, so yeah. I I think he, he's obviously one that you'd have to go to to say, well, he's he's pretty exciting that horse. Yes, we always Other than uh, that, we always yeah, thought um, um, Godolphin would have learnt their lesson by uh, putting up a, another colt against Wink. So Hartnell, she uh, yeah. seems seems to eat Godolphin colts for for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think um, they'll go back into their shell if he fails on Saturday. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's worth a throw at the stumps just to get his profile up a bit, just we, to consider, considering that he'll probably be at stud this time next year. We, we were a bit on record uh, maybe four or five episodes ago where we had a segment called Broken Hartnell where uh, we sort of we deep-dived into uh, uh, whether Winks had... Um, you know, you know, smashed him to bits, and we and we had the correlation between Black Caviar and Haylist. How, how Haylist just really give his all, you know, and his whole entire body just caved in trying to trying to beat that uh, magical sprinter, and it always felt like Winks was doing the same thing to Hartnell. So uh, you'd hate to see it again with Kementari. Hopefully, he's got youth on his side. Exactly right. Yeah, yep. And we'll learn more on Saturday. Yep. Uh, actually, um, this is one more question I've got for you. Do, do you, uh, with all the horses that you tip? Uh, do you actually follow them yourself? Do you back them all? How do you selectively do that? Oh, no, I don't bet be in every race. <laughs> yeah, no, no. As you know, you, you can't bet in every race. They'll wear you down. You've got to pick your mark and yeah. sort out what's a, a good betting race and what's not a good betting race. But, yep. yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have mm, seven or eight bets a day, but um, mainly <clears throat> identifying races that I like. You know, I'll... I'll play a race that I like. I might back one or two runners or I might play the multiples or, or yep. quadrellas or whatever. But every race is a different challenge and and, yeah. and, and, and there's different angles you can take to every race. So I, I, I don't go in with a set plan. I'll, I'll do the form yep. and then work out what races I think are, are the best betting races with value. How does your day start being a tipster? You wake up in the morning, you go straight into form. Is that – you have a coffee, have some breakfast, uh, into it? My day starts – uh, I'm already into the form for Saturday, just off nominations. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm sort of getting ahead with replays of the horses that are first up. But uh, looking at their barrier trials, just to get my head around things. I'm a little bit old school, 
uh, you know, I don't work with big computers with databases and things like that. I, I like to go through every horse and every meeting just to refresh my memory what, what really did happen, yep. not not trying to trying to think what happened, you know, three or four weeks ago. So yep. I, I like to have a look at their recent trials, recent runs, and the first thing I'd start with probably would be once the fields come out is a speed map because, run a, you know, getting a good run in transit is very important in a race. Yeah. Spot on. You want to touch him on anything more? We'll be happy no, to go no, into I'm, this. I'm um, good. You just nailed exactly what yeah, I was going to Yeah, that was really good, eh? Yeah. Does it get tiresome? Does it get tiresome, the mundane aspect mm-hmm. of it? Do you, I, I know that you just actually just got back from holidays. Yeah, look, it does. I, I, like, I always like to give myself a month off of winter, and that's July, because I think it's the hardest <laughs> hunting month. Yeah, okay. working with d- different track conditions and, and winter horses that don't run to form all the time. So I just try and give my mind a rest over that, that July period. And other than that, I, I love what I do. I, I, you know, I, you know, sitting down doing the form and getting paid for it, it's, it's not a bad job. Yeah. yeah. How was your holiday anyways, Ron? Yeah, no, no I loved it. You know, I, I always like to get over to Europe in July and, and, and I go to Italy oh. and uh, – and love it, love uh, it. Half do you, your luck. Do you have a, do you have a, uh, a favourite haunt, or you or you space it around? What do you do? Have you got a method? Do you madness? Um, a favourite place? Yeah. Would you say? Do, do, do you yeah, keep no, going no, back I, to the same spot, or do you branch out? Yes, I do. I sort of base myself in in Rome at a little hotel that I've got to know, and they've got to know me, and and yeah. I do little out trips from there. Sometimes I might go on a little cruise around the Mediterranean, or. Or, or go to Capri or, or different places in, in Italy or, or, or Europe in general. So um, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that at this stage of my life. All right, you knock it off, mate. Off. Knock it off. You're rubbing it in. I don't want to hear it. I'm glad you have a good time, mate, because I, I would think uh, um, I, I do love studying form and I, I love immersing myself in racing culture, but it, sometimes it does burn you. You're burning the wick at both ends. So uh, I just yes. I just go to like Thailand or Bali. I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not blessed with the pay packet you've got. But um, no, we've got we've got it'll a, come. It'll we've, come. We've got a well. Uh, we're up and growing podcast, mate. We actually we reached um, number sixty uh, sports podcast in the country a few weeks ago. So uh, good on you. The, the first racing horse racing one to do so uh, in the last couple of months. So we're doing good things, and may, maybe Monday I might bump into you in Rome. <laughs> Yeah, okay, we can sit down hopefully have a, you do. We can have a white wine. Uh, let's, yeah, let's, you can shout. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Let's, uh, let's talk uh, the, the reason we've got you in. We're going to uh, have a little roundtable discussion of uh, horses that are in history have been taken off trainers by owners and given to another one. So um, I'll start the ball rolling. We're going to do, a, uh, if you wouldn't be familiar, it's called a snake draft. So it'll go um, myself, then you, and then Rolls Reese. Uh, Rolls Reese yep. will go twice back to you, back to me, and I'll go twice, and then we'll try and stay in the snake draft. It's a little bit of a dangerous, little bit of dangerous snake, but we'll we can point in. you around the around, yep. around the pit. Okay, so I'm going to start the ball rolling. I'm going to go. My number one horse that uh, that has gone through this system uh, is Criterion. That's that's the one that I think is most pivotal, being that uh, David Payne trained, uh, won the Black Opal, and was a, a an up and coming raw two year old, and then. Uh, whatever happened there between owner and trainer was given to David Hayes and then became a $7 million multi-group winning world. Uh, yeah, just an absolute freak. So that's that's my one. That that stays in my mind. Okay, am I next? Yep. Yep. Um, one of the most famous, um, well, uh, changes of stable was before your time, and it was before my time even, it was in, like, in 1955, right? So Hang on, okay. <laughs> 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 You're going deep. There's, 
you should you, you should Google this horse, all right? Yeah. Uh, this horse was called Red Craze. Yeah. And a bloke called Sid Brown had him in New Zealand, who eventually come to Australia and trained uh, lots of winners. And he was poached by Tommy Smith. Yeah. Tommy uh-huh. Smith was was renowned of, of of stealing a good horse. Yep. And this horse. He went on to win a, a Turnbull, a Brisbane Cup, a Hill Stakes, Colin Stevens, a Metrop, <laughs> Caulfield Stakes, Caulfield Cup, uh, a Rawson, uh, a Cox Jesus. Plate in 1957. <laughs> yeah. he, ran second in a, he ran second in a Melbourne Cup with 65 kilos, and right. the horse that beat him had 51, so oh. he had to give him 14 <laughs> kilos. So he ended up, Yeah, he ended up being a prize money record holder of his time, but he started off with Sid Brown in New Zealand and Tommy Smith rung the owner. I think he offered him a deal, might have been training it for nothing, but uh, wow. he, he, went on to, he went on to win, you know, ten, all ten those Ten group races. ones by the sound of it? Yeah, look, I'd say close to ten group ones. I don't know whether some of those races were group ones at the time. Yeah, okay, true. Uh, but if you if, if you Google a horse called Red Craze, you'll... you. It's a marvellous story. Happy to – yeah, that's a good one. That's why we got you on. And Tommy right Smith up. was the best at it. I think Tommy Smith might pop up a little <laughs> bit here. Um, yes. Malaguera went from uh, Friedman's to Gelatos. Gelagotas. Gelagotas, yeah. you know. Um, Gelatos. Uh, group, group one on both sides there as well. So leads you to believe that it was just a, a owner-trainer sort of head clash there. Well, or? Went, from, went from Perth. It started off with Perth, did it not, Ronnie? Malaguera? Uh, yes, he did. That, yeah, that, he that owner just – he just shanked it from yeah, everywhere right. it went. Yeah. I know Lee yeah, was filthy sure. about that. Uh, you got yeah, that, 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 that was that was the nice version, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, we're, we're trying he, to toe the line he, here, but he, still head clash of owners. You know? Yeah, I don't. Lee just did not like that one bit. Uh, next one, single gaze. Yeah, um, Olive to Waller, but that that's uh, one of those stud deals that's been going around lately. Pretty yeah, sure it got sold to Japan, Japanese owner. I thought they'd race it out for for the rest of its career and took it up to Chris Waller. So. Yep. It's it's funny yeah. how uh, interpretations of this rule can can go both ways because there's so many ways of horses to be transferred or taken off a trainer. But uh, breeding ones are definitely there. But I, I just don't think that Nick Olive was expecting to see it no, racing. God no. Uh, for Chris Weller, uh, it's up to me now, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go my second one. Dark Dream, man. We just had Kerry Parker on last week talking about this, so that was a different one in itself, Ronnie. That uh, last start Brisbane um, Derby winner, and then. Little bit of owner's discrepancy, and then uh, millions of dollars worth uh, offered from Hong Kong. So off it went. Yeah, my next one would be talk about difficult owners. There was an owner called uh, in the eighties called Ron Gill, and he owned a horse called Stylish Century. Yes, yeah. And he he had, I reckon he had four or five trainers. So Stylish Century was a, a a horse that'd go to the front. He'd lead by ten lengths, and oh. he won numerous races. Uh, you know, big Group One races as well. And he started off with a Queensland with a bloke called Noel Doyle, and then he went to Bart Cummings, and Bart tried to you know take the speed out of him and ride him back in the field. It didn't work. He lost him, and then Bill Mitchell got him, and then the owner and the owner's friend got him after that, Dick Monaghan. So. This boat was just impossible to deal with. <laughs> was he? Stylish Century. Yeah. Stylish. He was a great horse. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, difficult girlfriend, mate. Was uh, was it uh, the horse's ability and that transcended all the training styles? Like it didn't matter what trainer it went to, it was just going to be a natural horse? Yes, exactly. You know, like I said, Cummings, Bart Cummings was a trainer. He always used to think, oh, I've got to, you know, this horse can't lead. He'd be a better horse ridden back. But within the horse's mentality to go to the front. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, that was his natural racing pattern. Was he like that track work? Did you have anything to do with him there? 
I, I rode him work when Cummings had him. He was a hard going, just running horse. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a, 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 Bart set him an impossible task to change his habits. And, yeah. And uh, like I said, he, he he was a horse that changed stables on numerous occasions for no no real reason because he was a, he, he raced well for every one of them. Yeah, I remember you. Um, this is like we'll. we'll I just want to jump back into your past. I remember you saying. Uh, this is like a real reach, but I remember you saying once uh, that uh, you rode a horse, my bean for Bart, that uh, was a real hard puller, and uh, your three quarter used to be thirteens, just because you just like absolutely yeah. good, absolute beast of thing. That wasn't Solo Century you were talking about, was it not? No, that's a horse called Shaftesbury Avenue. Shaftesbury Avenue, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, he was a, he was a he was a champion in his own right, and uh, unfortunately, he broke down before we seen all of his ability. But he he was a superstar. Just went too hard in himself. Yeah, no, well, it was just he was might have been a little bit unsound, and it was just a he might have just put his foot in a hole or something. He was on the course proper at Ramwick one day, and yeah. it was a horrible sight to see him break down. Was it bad? Like, um, did he survive it? Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, okay, yeah, just career ending. So, yeah, uh, yeah, career ending. So, snake draft. You're, you've still got one more, so we'll push around. Yeah, give us another one. The snake, the snake draft. You see, it's awful. The snake draft is awful. But uh, you've so um, I go once, I go once. Reese goes once. You, so you've got two, and then it goes back to Reese. So give us another one, Ronnie. Um, me, another yep. one from me. Yep. Uh, a great old horse called Gun Tind. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you, yeah, oh, man, yeah. you took my shit. You can't, <laughs> mate. Don't come on my show and take all my picks, Ronnie. But yeah, uh, go go for it. I want I want to hear. It. I want to see if I've got written down exactly how it went. Go for it. Well, you'd have probably more. Um, more form done in than me, but what, what I can remember of him, he was trained by a bloke called Bill Wheelow at Gunda Windy. Yep. He, he won 29 races, Gunsind, and he was a public, you know, a, a, a real public horse. He he was a grey. Um, the public loved him. He, yeah. He won a Chelmsford, an Epsom, a Tourac. Uh, I think he won a George Adams, a Doncaster. I'm sure he won a Blamey, Cox Plate, and even a Queen Elizabeth. So yeah. he, he was a, he was an absolute real crowd favourite, Gunsind. And, and poached by... Dun dun dun! Drum roll, Tommy Smith. <laughs> yep. Crowd uh, loves it, great, doesn't it? Yeah, but is it is it correct that he used to bow? He used to, yeah. He, he bowed to the he bowed to the public when he come back. He yeah. did go down, and yeah. it was a characteristic that uh, everyone used to wait for. So I think Kevin Langby rode him one day, and he come back after winning Group One, and he was more or less bowing to the crowd. You know, yeah, he, he was a real character, the horse. He he wasn't taught to do that, right? He did that just out of his own. Yeah, that was just him. That was just him. You know, whether he was bowing to the crowd or not, but that's that's how it looked, and everyone everyone latched onto that, saying he was. Yeah, right. Um, as we were talking before about trying to change patterns in horses, Nature Strip went from uh, John Sadler to Darren Weir. Yeah, um, he's just a bit of a bit of a head case horse after that ride with uh, Craig Williams as well up in uh, Brisbane. I think it was. Yeah, no, it was in uh, it was in Melbourne. Well, Melbourne. what are your thoughts on that uh, that Nature Strip ride there with Craig Williams? I, I I didn't think it was that bad of a ride. The horse over raced and he got in a bit of a pocket there, but pulled like a prick. John, John Sadler sort of come out and was on the front foot with the media and said, "Look, it wasn't the best ride, but still the." horse has got you know little finicky problems and then lo and behold well i think this is one thing we're noticing with the with the trend of social media is that that was so uh poignant for that for that day that whole weekend saturday sunday that i think the owners were kind of forced by social media to move it on to darren or or vice versa of darren saying it's more uh, you know can come here what, what are your thoughts on that yeah, look, I really haven't got any thoughts. I don't know the real, the, the full story behind that, where he went from 
from Robert to John Sadler, and then all of a sudden after one run, which is a bit cruel, yeah, um, to to go to another stable like Darren Weir. But uh, yeah. look, he's a he's a horse with untapped talent. Where he's just got to stamp himself. And, you know, at the proper level at, at 1,200 metres, and, and they're cooking with gas. Yeah, yep. Uh, I'll move on. I'm going to go uh, a little bit wide. I'm going to go this one. I want your thoughts on this one as well. Might and Power. I do believe that Anthony Cummings bought him from the sales and had him in his purchase. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Anthony Cummings had him, and, and then he went on to Jack Denham, and, well, what a horse he was as well. Yeah. But he had a similar, talking about that horse earlier, he had a similar style to stylish entry, not as... Not he wouldn't get out with a bigger lead, but he was a real fast on pace stayer, wasn't he? And, yep. and uh, his record speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, snake draft got, got me. Yeah. No, snake draft got me. Uh, the other one, I'll go. Uh, I think that's pretty much me done. I'll go. Uh, Rising Romance, Donald Logan, taken off, uh, and then uh, to Hayes as well. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting one. So yeah, that, was uh, a- that was that was later in its career, and and uh, that was a. It, Merely, David didn't really have much luck with him uh, with uh, with the rising romance. It's, no, uh, uh, sort of probably hit a level where it couldn't go any further. It really looks uh, like. One. Oh yeah, cool. Go for it. Yep, jump in. No, no, just an- another one I'd like to mention is a horse called Snippets. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good horse. He was he was a terrific sprinter and and a good stallion as well. And he he started his career. I think he won the Magic Millions for a, a trainer called Sally Rogers. Oh right. And then he went to Mac. Yeah, and, and, and then Max Lee's got him after that, and he turned him into one of the best sprinters of, uh, of his time. He was a, he was a sensational sprinter called uh, Snippets. I've, I've actually, um, can you confirm this? I, I, I did, uh, uh, when I mentioned to a few uh, racing pundits, friends of mine, that you were coming on the show and I was sort of saying that we're this is the topic, one of them threw to me that Luskin Star was transferred either to Max or before Max? Would you believe that? A lot of people don't know that Luskin Star was with Mac. Uh, obviously, Max Lee's won the uh, won the Golden Slipper with him, and, and numerous races. And yeah. and his last, he's, the last five runs of his career, I don't know why they moved him off Max because he's he done everything right for <laughs> he him. He can't do much more his than last, that. No, his, his last five runs of his life were for Bart Cummings, and uh, wow. Um, yeah, so that's that. That still is one of the, the great mysteries of the world. Why Max Lee's lost Luskin staff just for those last five starts? Yeah, um, unbelievable. It's a fickle game, isn't it? The more that you deep, it is a fickle game. The more you get into this, the more you like. It's it's a long list, and it's also a depressing one when I've, you're looking at a... horses that are champions, and you're thinking why. Like you you think about this the stable staff, the the track riders, everyone that um, uh, forms that bond with them, and then you just think. It could just be taken away in an instant for real fickle shit. It's really crazy. Yep. Last yeah, one in the snake draft. Last, last one. Wrap it up, Rolls Royce. Every John Singleton horse in the Gay Waterhouse stable was about four years ago. <laughs> 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 yeah. yep. They're going back slowly. How, how's how's <laughs> exactly. that? Yeah, well, they, they kissed and made up, didn't they? Yeah. Get it? Yeah, Get yeah, it? They did. Get yeah. it? They kissed and made up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, how's that for right. being fickle? I'm surprised having the Joe Pride influence in there. The vision and power hasn't been brought up because he went from Robert Smurd and Joe Pride and Joe wanted Doncaster with him. Oh, but, uh, mate, I'll there. bring that up to me in the morning. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that, actually. Thank you very much, sir. That's how we got you on. The great brain and of Joe, And when Joe got him, he'd swear blind he'd wash, he, he was a washed-up horse. He had nowhere to go. But yeah. he just turned that horse around. Yep. and did marvellous things with him to win, you know, a group one or two with him. Well, and, um, you know, I could go back and, and think of 
you know, in modern times, of, of you know, Chris Waller's the new Tommy Smith, and yes. and there's three <laughs> three horses, three three horses that stand out to me that went to Chris Waller, a, a horse called Metal Bender went from Denham to Waller, yeah, um, yeah, sh- Shootout went from John oh, Waller, yeah, 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 Waller. Yeah, yeah. oh, I missed that and, one. Yeah. Yeah, and, a, and another one was a horse called Dan Lee. Went from Bob Thompson to Chris Waller. He's yep. a, a very smart horse in his own right. Is yeah. that is that Waller going out head hunting, or is it just people wanting to give him? Oh, to Oh, absolutely, Waller? it is. Yeah, yeah. He's like he said, like Ronnie said, he's, he's a new Tommy Smith. Uh, especially in this day and age of of emails, I think it's a lot easier for those big name trainers to just flick an email out to the owners and then just let that sit there and and sort of rest. Where Tommy probably would have had to. Meet him at the races, bail him up, or call him up, wouldn't he, Tommy? <laughs> Buy him a bottle of champagne. Yeah. Uh, look, it's not always the case though. But some owners just love winners, and they, they, you know, they ring the trainer and they, they want they want their horses with the best trainer at the moment. So there's a story. There's a, I'm sure there's an individual story that we don't know about about each of those stable switches, yep. uh, and, and, and whether it's the owner or the trainer or or, or, or whatever other circumstances. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, mate, I've had an absolute pleasure wrapping that up. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Is there? I know that you're. We've got the creative juices flowing. I can hear the uh, the cogs churning. Oh, look! There's a couple more just for the old times. You boys might remember. Absolutely, mate. The more the merrier. We've got a lot of. We've got uh, a length and breadth of uh, listeners to, from eighty to ten. Yeah, well, there's there's two more that come to mind, and was always called Campaign King, who went from Fleetner to Cummings, and there was another one called Strawberry Road, who, who John Singleton bought into talking about him. He went overseas and running an arc to Trion. Yes, yep. And he went from Doug, Doug Gore in Queensland to uh, uh, a bloke called Johnny Nichols at Ramwick. So oh, right. uh, there's some things. That I'm sure there's there's hundreds of horses that yeah. have changed stables, but by geez, there's been some good ones. We've got we've got a little uh, honourable mentions just to wrap this segment up. We've got... Uh, well, Tuesday Joy, you kind of stole that one there. Uh, our boy Malachi. Spieth, our boy Malachi. He's in that sort of ilk of uh, guns in, actually, the our boy Malachi, the very successful uh, Bush Queensland trained, and then the Hawks uh, somehow got, got the reins on him, and he was just a great sprinter for that uh, two-year period there. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got, oh, look, better loosen up. Yeah, better loosen up. Was he, was he transferred? I have a question mark on him. I've was got a question mark Hayes? on him as well. Was it Friedman uh, he, he Hayes? He could well have been. Yeah, David Hayes, uh, Colin and David Hayes trained him. Yep. Um, and I reckon he may have started somewhere else to start with as well. You could yeah. well be right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, that was the murmurs. Anyway, uh, the honourable mentions, Blackheart, Bark, Rogan, Josh, uh, a lot of horses from Perth uh, transferred from there, uh, bigger and better things. That's a, a really great segment. I've had a, a yeah. time. I've had a, a, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Now, we... Uh, thank you very much for being so analytical with the with your racing knowledge, because as racing no and sport people, we soak it all up, and and our listeners do as well. Now, uh, it's our rule uh, with the Off the Bit podcast that we never let our guests go without having a little bit of fun. So, uh, we've got one last segment to go, and uh, I hope that uh, you enjoy it. That now, listen, this segment I, I've picked pretty much because um, you have just come back from holidays. And um, maybe a little, a little bit not flush in the funds department, you know, whenever you go to Europe, yes. it, 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 it costs a lot. Now, not only are we uh, podcasters, but we've also, um, we're entrepreneurs, okay? So yep. we're going to uh, list for you just a couple of uh, little 
things from our investment portfolio. We're going to list a couple of things that we're into. You know, you maybe want to wet the beak a little bit, uh, invest with us, make a bit of cash. Um, just it's, have it's to like, say- Have you ever seen Shark Tank? That TV show? Uh, yeah, shark Tank, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like Shark Tank, but not as big. So it's, we're calling it the goldfish <laughs> tank, all right? Yeah the, yeah, the goldfish tank. And, and in that aspect, you know, if you put a goldfish in a big tank, it'll grow big. And if you put it in a small, so uh, just uh, hear us out. And if you if if we pitch you an idea that you want to invest in, just uh, just say yes, and then our people will get in touch with your people and and so on. Okay, <laughs> we'll go from there. All right, okay, then. Okay, let, so, so let me hear your pitch. Okay, here we go. Now the first one. Okay, so this is from the realm of TV TV production. Okay, we're right into that. Um, so this is an idea of just getting all the bigwig Hollywood moguls that have been accused of sexual harassment. Okay, all together on one island, Survivor style. Okay, <laughs> and they just all harass the shit out of each other until one is like left and can't physically live on uh and it's called uh it's scheduled for 2020 it's a big production and it's called grope island yep yeah i'll, I'll be a small investor in thank that. you very much yeah we'll pencil <laughs> well, you down we'll pencil you down for 20 percent. got him 20 20 <laughs> yep <Yeah, yeah>, <laughs> good on you ronnie okay <laughs> what, what, pitch him another one okay uh we're, we're we're pretty big on our our cryptocurrency as well oh cryptocurrency cryptocurrency and a few weeks ago we were talking about having our own cryptocurrency and we're going to call it off the bitcoin mm. reckon you want to help us give us a kickstart there ronnie yeah it's a Start small investment own. of about twenty thousand. payable now uh no no do, i'm do, passing on all that uh, do you know what you can do stuff. you know what you can do with, <laughs> you, you know what you can do with crypto coin Nothing. Yeah, not much. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Not much in my lifetime anyway. Oh. This Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And Tom, you can bet with Tom Waterhouse with it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll, we'll pass you on that one. Okay, that's fine. We won't take that personal at all. All right, okay, now, okay, this next one, okay, I want you to just, like, relax, take a deep breath and picture this, okay? It's a dimly lit room. You're watching a TV commercial. It's a summer's eve in the garden. Soft piano music is playing in the background and your family sits on a picnic blanket and the moderator says, keep your family safe. Invest in NPS. Now, does that sound good? You blokes are dreaming. Does, does, does it sound good to you? Does that sound like, you know, the nice family atmosphere, invest in NPS? Is that something that you, as a, as a sort of stay up late looking at the infomercials, would, would automatically bite to? No, no, it sounds like a Nigerian phone call. To me. Oh, oh my god! Well, okay, so it's uh, NPS stands for Nigerian Pyramid Scheme. So you are absolute freak that you picked that. That is unreal. <laughs> How did you get that? You nailed that one. Wow! All right then, uh, Ronnie, you're good. And the next one was just uh, give us money to come and take some Instagram photos. Oh, for just, you. yeah, just just give us some money. Just send us some money, cash out. Yeah, how's that? Right. How about that one? I'll send you a check. Yeah, yeah okay. good on you, Ronnie. <laughs> Mate, Ronnie. You're Thank an you. absolute legend, mate. I cannot believe he got the NPS was Nigerian Pyramid Scheme. That is phenomenal. <laughs> no wonder you're a good tipster. My friend, thank you very much for being a part of it. Um, you've ticked every box for us, an absolute winner. And it's uh, I know you're a busy man, but taking your time out, uh, we much appreciate it. Uh, and we'd love to have you back on as a recurring you know guest. Thanks for, um, thanks for letting all the younger viewers know about all those older horses as well. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's a, we're, we're yeah. all for the culture, Ronnie. Like a uh, bit of wisdom up in here. Yeah, and a lot of people have, uh, a lot of listeners uh, listen on the commute between races and work, and uh, they really thrive off it. Do you so know what the difference is? What we're only little J journalists. Yeah, we're little, he's a big, big J. J. Yeah, he knows, he knows his shit, mate. We'll let you go. Thank you very no. much, mate. Um, just stay on the line, mate. We'll talk to you a little bit after this, okay? No worries. All right, Thank cheers, bud. Keep up the good work. Thank you. And that was 
the great Ron Duffercy. How good was that? Ronnie, fantastic. Uh, we, uh, he was he was so gracious too because I hunted him down maybe a month and a half ago and. Uh, I think I rung him up on a just Tuesday. Just before he went, went on holidays. Yeah, well. and I said, um, oh, it might, might have been on a Friday, and I said, mate, would you be interested in coming on for a think piece? And he said, when? And I said, Tuesday. And he said, I'll fly out Tuesday for, you know, the better part of three weeks for a holiday. And um, he, true to his word, as soon as he come back, uh, yeah. as soon as I rung him up, he, he, he complied, and that was exactly what we wanted, uh, a great, thorough Entertaining, you know, factual insightful, interview. Yeah, insightful. Yeah, really ticked all the boxes. That's uh, racing news done. Let's go to sport, and we've got the big one, which is, <laughs> da- which is Dave Taylor, which is our favourite. Um, this is what I want to talk about. So, if anyone doesn't understand, Dave Taylor, uh, rugby league guy, big big guy. Um, there was big, a segment segment on the, on the on the yeah, no, he's big. A segment on the Sunday Footy Show where. Uh, they have a, a, a segment called. See, it's not like un, not unlike us to have segments, but um, <laughs> this one was just blasted all across the airwaves. That they have a gutsy player of the week, and for some reason, the whole entire panel didn't know that they were not going to be watching a, a good try or a hard hit. That was actually just uh, Dave Taylor with a jumper on, looking obese, walking around, looking like him really. Um, and straight away, Aaron Molan picked it up and was apologetic and. Uh, they all sort of made fun of him and, and sort of fat shamed him, which is the new word nowadays. So uh, then it come down to um, his reply, which is on Twitter, which was the greatest thing I've ever seen, I reckon, is uh, Dave Taylor, she, she apologised, uh, you, know, um, f- you know, feverishly on Twitter and he just replied with the old um, screenshot from the casting couch on, on your favourite porn site and said, is this um, how you got your job on, you know, is this... <laughs> Right now, I'm everybody, you've footage. got to go on a Pornhub and Google back Ca- just backroom casting, room ca- casting, casting couch. couch. Casting yeah. couch. It's just once you see it, once you see <laughs> it, as a red blooded male, once you see that, once I saw that, oh, I was just hey, like, are we going to be able to? Uh, Kanye made a comment the other day about uh, are you more respectful of women for for having daughters now? And he goes, no, nah, I still watch Pornhub. Yeah, Pornhub responded and gave and so, him three yeah, premium. They did, yeah. Life membership. And then he, hey, you reckon we're going to get that? And he replied that with three flame emojis. Yeah, <laughs> he's always said that. He, he's wow. always been unabashed about his. Well, look, it's it's a uh, girls like shopping for shoes. Guys will watch porn, pretty much. Usually, it happens at the same are... time when they go out to shop. That's pretty much what. I got a bit of bit of funny sports news. It was um, hilarious, though. Uh, shout out to Dave Taylor. He, he can come on any time, like friend, friend of the show. But uh, in the same token, Erin uh, Molan has been on the back end of a lot of slander because she does look like the, um, the sloth from Ice Age. Oh, kid. <laughs> she looks like kid. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's harsh, man. Oh, well, oh, it's not me saying it. It's, yeah. the, it's them saying it. Okay. Who's them? <laughs> Point them out. Shoot your shot. Oh, yeah, man. Damn, you, man. You're choking. up. Yeah. All right. So uh, sticking with a bit of golf news. Yes. It's not golf news per se, but it's to do with Adam Scott, right? Yes. Yep. So finished finish, finish third mm-hmm. in the PGA. Yep. All jazzed about that as Australians, you know? Yeah, good on you. And everyone went out to uh, on, onto the Twitter sphere to give him a bit of, bit of praise. Mm-hmm. But they all got the wrong Adam Scott. Who'd they get? They got the guy from Parks and Rec. Do you know the dude? Oh, that's yeah. He's yeah. in, um, Did they really? He's in Step Brothers. Yeah, he's like, yeah. look at these fucking things. Hadn't had a carb since yeah. 2008. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Everyone tweeted him, congratulations on your. Because he has your, the blue your, check your mark. Third eh? spot. Yeah. And Verified. yeah. 
Yep, got the wrong one. I thought that's fucking hilarious. That is great. That's I awesome. Like that. Nailed that one. Oh, yeah, Adam Scott, anyway. Other than that, there's not too Tiger's much. back. <laughs> Tiger's back. Uh, we, we missed, um, if for anyone who's our golf listeners, we, we were a bit remiss. We missed the golf whispers. Um, that's coming the next PGA tournament. Yeah, it's our bad. I'll try, try and whisper it's, again. It's been a long week. I can't whisper. Um, let's like let's wrap God. up uh, sport news with uh, incumbent uh, NRL. <laughs> the great man himself. <laughs> Hubie Brown. On you, Hubes. Let's go. Round 22 of the NRL and take me down, down to Townsville Town, where it was Thursday, not Friday, as Big Sammy's 300th went the John Sutton route and totally shut the bed. In a weird twist of irony, prop Matt Lodge copped a flogging around the head as he laid victim for once and was awarded a penalty try. Carl Felt kicked a penalty girl from 55 metres that went back, 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 back and over the black dot, which I'm sure the easily offenders will call racist. And just when the cows have asserted their authority, they go and throw into Jimmy the Jet, whom turn on the afterburners, and it was all to no avail as horses fall asleep standing up, but the Broncos rolled over and let the Cowboys pat their fluffy bellies. 34-30. Will the real New Zealand please stand up? Please stand up, as the Warriors' season this far has been about as easy to pick as a broken nose. It was a scary movie for the Newcastle faithful as the Adam Blair Witch Project scared the defence shitless and proved for them it was the night of the living dead and they won't be getting the ring this year. It was women's round and the Knights played accordingly as they had a few in the pink and definitely one in the stink in an awful display of shit football. Give to Avasa the Daily M for God's sake, the man is electric and the Novocastrians will need more than Ponga to make it the next season's points. (laughs) 20 points to 4. To A and Z and I see, I see, boy, you got to be pretty gutsy rooster to go into the rabbit hole, son. But that's exactly what the boys from Bondi did on Friday night in the top of the table heavyweight bout. Alex Johnson hamstring didn't make it onto the field with the rest of the team as he left the game after the third minute, and just like himself, the bunnies never fully recovered as Bradley Cooper Cronk proved he doesn't have a premiership hangover as he led the Chooks to the top of the table. Thomas the Tank Engine Burgess chugger-chugged his way up the guts for 227, but the Roosters proved late that even without their teddy, they're still the big boys on campus. 18 points to 14. To the sunny Gold Coast, and after a week of a perfect shitstorm, the Penrith Panthers had a point to prove, and in the 85th minute, it came from Nathan Cleary's boot, but not before they played like a bunch of geese for the first 75. Anthony Don Carleone said, You come to my town, you want to mess with my family, you better brush. As he hit the Titans, lit, lit, lit the Titans attack up on the wing, filling his stat sheet like Anthony Griffin is filling out Centrelink paperwork. The Black Cats will need to play better than, they, than this to convince me their troubles are behind them. 16 points to 17. There wasn't much to play for as the Sea Eagles and Bulldogs came together on Saturday night, but once, once no one told Tom Trebojevic as the man Mantis went about tearing up an energy-depleted Canterbury side. Brian Ned Kelly said such is life as he stole easy meters from the bushwhack defense and coach Dean Pay needs to go back to the drawing board because these dogs is shit. 
A 37-16 missing tackle count should see the men from the West hitting bags all weekend. That's bags of meth, because they were cooked. Manly full of running late this season, 18 points to 6. To ANZ and Doc pulled up outside my house in his 8-9 DeLorean and we went back in time to watch Jared Hayne tear the dragons apart in a display that had Michael J. Fox shaking his head and other extremities. Yes, that's right, I said Hayne plane has been sitting on the tarmac longer than Tiger Airlines flight and finally took off and just like my good friend Tom Petty, the dragons are free falling down the ladder. Gareth whoop, 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 wasn't also Super Mario as his shoulder left its support most like the dragons defense all night and the yellow and blue machine can finally stop cutting themselves and listen to my chemical romance. Tough times if you're a St. George fan, 40 points to 4. And finally, to GIO Stadium and the West Tigers are dick-teasing everyone for, of their long-suffering fans as they teeter on the edge of finals football and looking more and more like the girl that leads you on and then makes you pay for dinner and a movie and thanks you for a good night, leaving you sat in your Lincoln Continental, ferociously beating your meat. Thank you very much, Sylvia. Ricky Stewart let out his 4,000th fuck for the week as you can literally feel how hard he's going to kick his dog after every match this season. With a, get with a jelly mix of geriatrics and young greenhorns, the run of the finals is becoming increasingly more recognisable. 20 points to 20, the scoreline. And let's back to you, the studio, boys. Sounds like uh, Hubie had a big weekend. Sure, you two weren't hanging out together? <laughs> it was Hubie's birthday. Yeah. No, your birthday, I heard. Both. Both? Yeah. Same day. <clears throat> yep. Same time. Yeah, met just, up with him. Just met up with a few him. centuries apart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, long time between drinks. How was but, your birthday um, anyway, anyways, mate? It was fantastic. Happy Thank birthday. you, mate. Yeah, yeah, another year older, but uh, look, uh, celebrated it in the only one I know how, which is going hard. Hammer and tongs. Hard? Like Viagra hard? hard or? Oh, <laughs> no. Not at about like three o'clock on like Sunday morning. It wasn't too hard. We actually um, had an interesting conversation on your birthday, didn't we? Someone, some dickhead went out to get his hair cut and because uh, mm. I lost my licence, I had to, had to get a train, got all the way there. And yeah. The, the, haircut, the, the hairdresser was shut. You, you didn't get it done. I didn't get it done, didn't no. have the balls. I didn't want to go somewhere and then have them yeah. turn me into That's a... That's a massive mission, getting on a train lesson. to go to a different suburb to get your hair cut and you get there and it's shut. You know what? Committed committed to me, uh, my hair. Yeah, as, committed to your... To, to my hairs, mm. as you can tell. Uh, be sure to check our Instagram at Off The Bit Podcast because... Uh, our man Rolls Reese may have lost a bet that doesn't have anything to do with me, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're putting some photos up because it's absolutely outlandish. Um, uh, uh, f before we do go, yeah, everyone, jo um, join us on uh, I uh, on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, the Off the Bit Podcast uh, on Twitter, Off underscore the underscore Bit. Uh, we're going to have a lot, uh, a bit of a. Uh, we're coming up, guys. We're getting bigger and better guests every week. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing our thing. We're going to have a, an online forum for anyone that thinks that um, myself, Rolls Reese, and Ron Duffersy have missed any horse that we were talking about with that uh, roundtable discussion of horses being taken off owners. So we are open to the forum. There will be a video accompanying this uh, podcast launch on our Instagram, uh, Off the Bit Podcast. So. Uh, and shout out to the story that's going to break tomorrow because that's usually what happens. We basically go home and sit down and then <laughs> something massive happens tomorrow and we've got to sit on, squat on a take for a whole week. But, what do you uh, reckon it could be? What do you reckon? They cancel the Everest or something like that. It would no, be an absolute bombshell. I reckon, uh, I, reckon, I reckon some, I reckon, I'm going to say it now, I reckon some movie star will OD. 
that's that's big grim, eh? That's, big grim. Yeah, that's that's a that's a bombshell to end on. Yep. All right, guys. We'll see you, if I'm right. we'll see you next week. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Cue the music. Round 22 of the NRL and take me down, down to Townsville town where it was Thursday, not Friday, as big... Sa- <laughs> I, need some, I need some water, mate.